0: Welcome to the LifeHouse Church Podcast. More information about LifeHouse and our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kavakian can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. Do you know, they say you can live 40 days without food. It's a long time, isn't it? Do you know, they say you can live four days, four days without water. And then they say you can live about four minutes without hope. And if I can encourage you this morning, I want you to leave this place full of hope. Why? Because I don't know about you, but when I switch on the television, when I read the papers, it doesn't seem to be a lot of hope. And and you know what? People are saying we are living in what they call now the hopeless generation. Not hopeless as in you're hopeless as in you're not very good at doing something. Not that hopeless. Hope meaning it doesn't feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel. Hopeless. And friends, that's where a lot of people are finding themselves. And that's why we are living in, in, in the epidemic times of depression, where people are feeling maybe today is okay, but it feels a bit darker than yesterday, and tomorrow seems like it's going to be darker than today. That's hopelessness, friends. And I want to tell you right now, that's not where God wants us to be. And I know that when you switch on the television and you're reading things, it just seems like the world is becoming more and more and more of a hopeless place. They're telling us that ice caps are melting. They're telling us that bees are dying. Carlton are not winning. There's a whole lot of stuff, friends, that can make you feel very, very hopeless. Some of them are huge and some of them you really wouldn't care about. But if if you're going to take anything away from Easter, if you're gonna take anything away from this time, what is it that God wants you to have? Well, first Peter chapter 1, verse 3 tells us He says, Let us thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was through his loving kindness that we were born again to a new life and have a hope that never dies. This hope is ours, why? Because Jesus was raised from the dead. We can have a hope because of what we're celebrating today. We can have a hope. We can have a hope. Do you know, believing in Jesus, to be honest, whether He was a human being that existed, to me is quite easy. Just pull out a 20 cent piece and you will see a date on it. And that date will say 2010. Well, 2010 years since what? since the birth of Jesus, it's not very difficult to convince you that Jesus was a human person who existed. Believing that he died on a cross is also easy, because Roman crucifixion is a historical event. Many people died on a cross, don't even need a whole lot of faith for that. Believing that he died and was buried, again, is pretty easy to believe, when many people who died were then buried. But believing that He was raised to life is going to take some faith. But the Bible says that when you do that, hope enters into your heart. It's a supernatural (laughs) event and your mind doesn't even understand it. But how does it do it? Because it demands that you believe that there is a God out there. And some of us are thinking, you know what? I've heard about this resurrection. You know, I was raised in a religion maybe that says Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. I mean, did anyone remember repeating that as a young person? Christ has died. Christ has, do you know, I used to utter that, but I didn't know what I was saying. Christ has died. Christ has risen. And friends, Christ will come again. Do you know, we can only believe that He's coming again because Christ is risen. And all of a sudden, we start to find hope arising because we start to realise, oh, so it's not just about this life. No, it's not. But for some of us, we actually stumble, not at the Christ has died part, but the Christ has risen. And it's not that you don't want to believe it, but if you were really honest, you would just say, I just doubt it. You know, I just doubt it. You may go to work and people say, how do you believe someone rose from the grave? And you're like, oh no, I I believe it. You may be the sort of person, if the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. God bless you. But for the 999 of us, we're like, did it happen? Didn't it happen? And, and, And we tend to doubt. Would that be true? Well, I want to encourage you today. I want to tell you something. Did you know that doubt is not a sin? And I'm really glad about that because there is a difference between doubt and unbelief. Do you know sometimes doubt is a really good thing? Sometimes doubt can actually help you. You know, when Helen and I, for our anniversary... Um, we went to Paris, some of you have been there and you know you walk through a beautiful garden on, on your way to a, you know, one of the major attractions and as we were walking along, some of you have seen this happen, as we were walking along, I, I, I saw that and I went, oh, what's this? And I picked it up and it was a gold ring. Anyone experienced this? It was a gold ring and I'm looking at it and all of a sudden, a guy, he came up and he picked it up and he went, he, sorry, I didn't pick it, he picked it up and he went, sorry, is this yours? Did you just drop this? And I'm like, no. And he looks at it and he goes, Oh, look, it's 18 karat gold. And and, and I'm looking at my eye. Like, oh. He goes, Do you want it? I said, No, 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 he goes, No, no, have it, have it. And then all of a sudden you take it off them, and then what they say is, Oh, look, because I helped you find it, can I please have 10 euro? And and then I thought, ah, I doubt that this is a real ring. I doubt it actually just fell there. I doubt the whole process. Sometimes doubt is a great thing because what I did later is I actually just stood back and watched them. What they do is they actually flick a ring at people's feet. They pick it up. They give it to them. And you've got all these people walking off so happy thinking that they found their wedding ring finally. And and it turns out that it's a fake. and And then they take money off you. And then when you're giving them the 10 euro, they snatch your wallet and run. yeah. Parisians, guys, that's just what they do over there, right? What can I say? If you're from Paris, man, you need to talk to us later. We need to help your nation. Something's, something's going wrong over there. The point is this. How many of you know that doubt in that situation is not a bad thing at all? It's, it's, it's not damaging. It actually helps us. But do you know, unbelief is different. Let me tell you what unbelief is. It's the rejection of faith. You know, to want to believe something, but you doubt it sometimes, is different to a rejection of it. And you know, if anyone understands the doubting process there was a particular guy that we have come to name, Thomas the the poor guy. Thomas the Doubter. Do you know why we call Thomas, Thomas the Doubter? He was one of the disciples for three and a half years, hung out with the disciples, loved Jesus, saw miracles, signs and wonders. He experienced everything that Jesus was and is. And Jesus rises from the dead And he's there with his 11 disciples, actually 10 at the time because Judas had just killed himself. And so Jesus is there. He's risen from from the dead and, and he's with his 10 disciples and he shows himself. And he says, guys, I'm alive, right? He says, look at my hands, look at my feet. And they're like, wow. Do you know who wasn't there that day? Thomas. And when the disciples tell Thomas what happened, do you know what he said? Yeah, I doubt that. He doubted it. Now, you've got to understand something about Thomas. Easter comes around every year. How many messages do you think have been preached about Thomas the doubter? Did you know if you read the Gospels, the only time he ever doubted was that one time in life? (laughs) He didn't doubt any other miracle that Jesus did. It was the one time the God, I can just imagine Thomas screaming up from heaven every Easter, guys, one time. I doubt, I doubt once, just once. And you guys preach messages about me for the next 2,000 years. I mean, you know, I, I didn't pick up my kids a couple of times when they were much younger from school. I'm glad they don't call me Richard the Abandoner. <laughs> and then preach messages about it for the next 2,000 years. You know, guys, if you've been abandoned, just remember Richard, he was an abandoner too. He didn't pick up his kids once from school. The poor guy, he gets branded He gets branded Thomas the Doubter. Do you know, officially, scientifically, biblically, they tell us that this is where FOMO started. <laughs> Do you want to know what FOMO is? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know about you. Actually, this is a great time to just say this. You know what? Where was Thomas that day, by the way? What was he watching? What, what was it? A footy game? Like, why were, why were the other disciples all there, but Thomas decided to not be there? What was he watching? Maps? Well, no, seriously. What was he watching? Australian Idol? The block. But I'll tell you what, he was really regretting that he wasn't there that day. Imagine, imagine missing out on that event. Well, Thomas did. But the thing about it is, you'll notice in verse 26 of chapter 20 of the Gospel of John, it says, eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time, and this time, what does it say? Thomas was with them. Yeah, he's not gonna miss out again. He's not gonna miss out again. But this is is what I love, guys. You know, Thomas... Thomas was doubting the resurrection, but he was still with the disciples. You may be in this room today, and I don't know what your religious background is. Maybe you don't really believe everything that's going on. Maybe you're feeling exactly like Thomas right now. You're like, well, you know, I sort of believe in Jesus and the whole thing, but I'm sort of doubting, because Thomas was doubting. There's no doubt about it. He was doubting. But do you notice he was still with the disciples? What does that mean? He was still in the house of God. He was still hanging out with God's people. And just because you don't have 100% perfect faith here today, I want to tell you, you still belong. We still love you. You're still welcome in this room. You are one of the people that God loves and you're allowed to be here. But the thing about Thomas is that he admits his doubt. And I would just love if you're in this room today to just admit your doubt. Just, to, but I can't, I can't admit it because if I admit it, then I'm not one of the disciples. I don't belong here. Friends, that's, that's, not, that's not what this church stands for. You know, in this church, you can be the sort of person that you can doubt many things. What we don't wanna see you have is unbelief. What's unbelief? I don't want to believe it. Doubt is I want to, but I'm struggling. You're welcome. But let me tell you why it's important to have a spirit like this. Because some of us are doubting our marriages. Some of us are doubting how good a parent you are. Some of us are doubting your ability to be in business. You can doubt a whole lot of stuff. You can be doubting your whole future. I to, Doubt is not a sin, but you do need to work through it. How? You first, you've got to just admit that you're actually doubting and get the help that you need so that you can find yourself full of faith and full of belief so that God can take everything in your life forward. You know, the, the reason the other disciples didn't doubt, by the way, is because they had a living experience. They didn't just hear about it. See, Thomas just heard about it. The difference between Thomas and the rest of them was Thomas didn't experience the Saviour. And do you know what you just heard a whole lot of people say? I was raised in church, but I didn't experience it. And how do I know that testimony to be true? Because that was my life. I had a cross around my neck. I had a picture of the disciples above my bedroom, above my bed. Yeah, I did. Yeah. You know, they're all in there. <laughs> I must say, it's not overly, it doesn't make you feel like following Jesus when you see that picture. He just doesn't look very manly. And stuff. But that's because it's a, not a true portrayal. I, I don't know about you, but have you always wondered which one was Judas? Do you know that picture? Like, which one is actually, I think you're supposed to know which one it is. But the point is this I was looking at that picture and I had no idea what it was all about. And you know what? Maybe you've been raised in this. Maybe you've never experienced Christianity. I just want to tell you right now, you know you can be in a place where you can be in faith. And how did it happen for Thomas? First of all, he was desperate to be there. He was with the disciples and he wanted it to happen. I wonder if your heart is in that place today. Do you want to know if there is a living Saviour? At the end of this service, we're going to give you an opportunity. Amen? Amen. I know there's lots of people. But why is it important... To believe in the resurrection, what does it bring? Well, Hebrews chapter 2, verse verse 18, the writer of Hebrews tells us this, he says, since he himself, Jesus, has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Why is it important to believe in the resurrection? Because when you need God, you need to know that he's listening to your prayer. If Jesus is still in a grave, he can't answer your prayer. But if you believe that He's alive, the hope that it brings is that when you open your mouth, you know that your Saviour is listening to everything you're going through and He has experienced it. He has experienced betrayal. He's experienced your hurt. He's experienced your embarrassment. Jesus has experienced it all. So when He's alive and we pray a small prayer and some of you are thinking, oh, He must be talking about something really, really big. No, no, He's interested in your small as well. You know, a story I can't get away from and if you're from Victoria Police, um, surely there's some sort of pastoral preacher uh, rights now that I get to say stuff, but I can't go to jail for it. When I was much younger, I was on the back of a motorbike with a good friend of mine, and we were riding around the streets late, late at night. And my friend, we were sort of 13, 14 at the time, decided uh, to sort of, you know, go for a ride. And in the middle of the street at four o'clock in the morning was a police officer standing there with with his daughter trying to get us to stop riding the motorbike. My friend decides to try and run him over. Like I said, Victoria Police, go for him. I'll give you his address later. I was the innocent party on the back of the motorbike. He doesn't hurt the guy, but because of that, they end up calling the dog squad to come and chase us down. Well, we end up behind us a block of flats. I'm a 13 13 year old young guy. i got my friend there who was older than me. He should have known better. He should have been guiding me, but he wasn't. And and, and, and you know what? We had the dog squad. We could hear the police coming. We could hear the the, the the noise of their radios. And we were so panicked. And you know what? At that moment, I have never prayed to God like I did in that moment. Ladies that have, have had babies, come on, give me a, a, right? Yeah, be honest, right, right now. Yeah, you've never prayed like that before either, right? And, and, and so I'm there and I'm panicked. I'm absolutely panicked. But you know what I said? God, if you're there, by the way, I have my back turned to my friend. I said, God, if you're there, if you can get me out of this, I promise you,
1: I'll be a priest.
0: <laughs> well, maybe I don't wear a collar but he did end up with a priest. But I've got to tell you, he actually got me out of that situation. And that was one of the things that actually gave me faith because the way we got out of that situation, by the way, it was nothing terrible, but my point is it was something small for me, but it meant a lot. And right now there is a God in heaven who cares about your life. He cares about your health. He cares about your relationships. He cares about your children. He cares about your finances. Do you know it's not God's will that you would be in debt your whole life so that you can't fulfil any of the dreams on your life. Are you wondering if there's a God in heaven who cares? There is. But is He actually open and has He got His ears open to you? The answer is yes, because the power of the resurrection tells us that He has risen from the grave so that He can be a part of your life. That's the hope that we have. The other hope that we have is obviously the hope of the forgiveness of sin. Jesus said, I'm gonna go to the cross. And I'm going to pay for your sin. But listen, don't, don't feel bad because I'm going to rise again. The fact that he rose again proves that what he did on the cross was real. Do you know what I love about that? I don't know about you, but you need to remind yourself of something. Friend, whenever you've done something that you're not proud of, you've got to remind yourself that there is a God in heaven who already saw what you were going to do. And he took it and he paid the price for it. And then he buried it. And then he came up out of the grave, ready to live a brand new life on your behalf. So right now, if you're feeling guilty about anything that you've ever done, you're thinking, but surely God wouldn't accept me. Friend, he will accept you because you don't have to be good enough. He is the one that's good enough. He just wants you to reach out your hand and say, God, if you're really there, I will put my hand in your hand and you can take me home. Friend, please don't leave this place with one ounce of guilt or shame when Jesus has already paid the price for it. I met a girl recently and she told me that as a young girl, she got married and it just didn't quite work out and she got divorced. And I can see that as she said it, it was like an element of shame came upon her. And there's many of you that would feel that way. And, and, you know, I'm looking at her thinking, I wonder if she realises that Jesus saw that day and that the shame that she is now feeling has already been paid for and she's supposed to put her chest back and say it wasn't great I'm not very proud of it but guess what I don't have to carry the guilt and the shame of that because Jesus has already taken it away from me and she's not going to be accountable before God for it because Jesus has already forgiven anything that she may have said or done let me tell you what causes us to doubt friends do you remember there was a guy called John the Baptist John the Baptist was the one that said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How many of you know that's faith? He was full of faith. Did you know just a few months, a year later, he sends, John the Baptist sends his disciples to Jesus and he says, um, Jesus, Jesus, John the Baptist wants to ask you a question. Are you the one? What, what happened to John the Baptist from behold the Lamb of God To wondering whether he is the Lamb of God. I can tell you what happened. He was in prison. And you know, sometimes you could be full of faith, but when you start going through tough times, everything you believe starts to be shaken. Is there a God? Does he care for me? Can he heal? Does he know what's happening in my life? You won't find that the great times do that to you, it'll be those tough times when you're in prison and when you see everybody else is roaming free but you yourself feel like you're in a prison of unanswered prayer. You don't feel like your life is going forward but everyone else seems to be. Friends, it's in those moments that we start to doubt. But Jesus says, go back and tell John, blind eyes are opening. People are being raised from the dead. Good things are going on and good things will be coming your way. Now, as we know, God's will for his life was quite different to hopefully yours. Amen. Yeah, like it didn't end very well for him. But anyway, that's a different message that we'll preach about next time. Do you know what I love about Jesus in this story? Jesus never tells Thomas, you're a bad man for doubting. He just said, Thomas, what do you need? What do you need to believe? He just said, I just wanna see your hands and your feet. So he goes, put your fingers in. How gracious is that? I wonder what you need to say to God to help your faith move move along. What do you need to happen? Because he is such a great God. He's actually willing. What do you need? Because Thomas just needed to see the handprints. What do you need to see? Some of us are like, I just need to see a miracle. Believe me, guys, you seeing something often is not the answer. Sometimes it's what you need to experience that will actually change your mind. Amen. Because I've seen people that have seen miracles, but today they're not even walking with God. But when they sense someone's love and forgiveness, it completely changed their life. But never do you see Jesus rebuking him. He wasn't angry at him. Jesus understands your doubt from the front to the back. He understands it. But today he would say, what do you need to see? What do you need to experience? So here's the question for you today. Do you really believe in the resurrection? Because apparently that's what brings hope. Now, I'm, I'm pretty convinced if I walk around the room, there'd be a lot of people that would say, yeah, I believe in it, I believe in it. But some of you have heard the story of the man that used to have the wheelbarrow and he used to cross Niagara Falls with a wheelbarrow. Have you heard about this gentleman? He was a French gentleman. He was a good French guy. (laughs) And he used to cross the Niagara Falls with a wheelbarrow. And when he crossed to the other side, everyone's like, wow, you're amazing. And then he shouts out, do you believe in me? Do you believe in me? They're like, yes, yes. We believe in you. You're amazing. You crossed the Niagara Falls. And then he says, do you really believe in me? Yes, we believe. Then he says, okay, well, who's willing to get into the Woolboro and come across with me? We don't believe in you. We don't. What would you have said? Would you have been one of the people saying, we believe in you, we believe in you, but when he asked you to actually trust him, you're like, yeah, I don't believe in you that much. Come on, there are some single people in this room And it's, we believe in you, Jesus. We believe in you. And then he says, okay, will you you put your life in my wheelbarrow so that I can find you the right person? Uh, I don't believe in you that much. I mean, you know, I like you and all, but I'm not sure I want to do that. it's, It's very easy to say we believe. Now, he means, do you really trust me? The word believe can be easily used as the word trust. Do you trust him? Do you trust him with your life? Do you trust him that the day you die, you'll go home to be with him? That's what belief is. And that's what he wants to bring into your life. Why? Because if you do that, it's going to bring hope. And we will not be like people that have no hope.
1: Hi, I'm Richard and pastor of life House Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now, and if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.